Welcome to the Mikey Swell Muscle Food Show. Today, we'll be discussing how to build huge biceps. Pretty much the number one goal, I think, when a young bro walks into the gym is they want to build big biceps. First, though, I want to discuss a little bit of anatomy here. So oftentimes, when people think of the bicep, they just think of the mound on top of their upper arm. The reality is, we're gonna be not, we're, we'll be working the biceps, which is two heads. Uh, bicep literally means two heads of the arms. Uh, they originate the long head on the scapula in the uh, glenoid, um, and then the short head, it's going to originate on the uh, coracoid. Uh, both heads are distinct, but they serve uh, the same functions and they're going to insert into the radial tuberosity of the radius. So you also have your brachioradialis, you have your brachialis, and your coracobrachialis. So these five major muscle groups are what really makes up the bicep when we think about it. So as I talk about this muscle group today, when I say bicep, I really mean all five of these muscles. So if we're looking at some kinesiology and we wanna understand the motion or the movement that the bicep generates, it's going to do three things. It's going to supinate the wrist. It's going to flex the elbow. It's also going to flex the shoulder. So one of the uh, movements of the bicep that's oftentimes not uh, thought about is shoulder flexion. That's gonna be very important when we think about training the bicep. So we'll begin with the first most important principle of bicep growth and really any muscle growth and that is specificity. If you want to get better, if you want to grow a muscle group, you cannot be doing random stuff. So oftentimes, I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make when training the biceps is they go into the gym and they just aim to chase the pump. They may choose two to three exercises, just rotate them, exhaust the muscle, and get out. Where you may get some limited initial newbie gains from this, this is not going to be a great long-term strategy. So when I'm breaking down a training cycle of four to six weeks, I usually like to choose two to five different bicep workouts or bicep exercises that is, and build those exercises. Number two most important principle is uh, progressive overload. Uh, when it comes to the biceps, I find especially, as with all muscles, but especially the biceps, the importance of increasing volume. If you wanna build them, you need to do more reps and sets over time. Uh, rep range wise, I typically recommend building them within the eight to 15 rep range, but of course, using a plethora of ranges is gonna be important as far as increasing variation and uh, keeping the stimulus somewhat novel. So eight to 15 is kinda of gonna be that sweet spot as far as building strength goes. But there's going to be times you're probably going to want to do 15 to 30 reps, maybe up to 40 reps. Uh, I generally don't go below 8 reps when I'm training the biceps. The reason is oftentimes when you go too heavy, uh, you're going to run the risk of working other muscle groups, uh, putting stress into joints that we don't want to put stress into. Uh, it's not going to be as advantageous. If we want to maximize the stimulus to fatigue ratio, 8 to 15 reps seems to be the best move. So when we're thinking about volume, we're thinking about frequency. The biceps are somewhat unique in comparison to other muscle groups. So 
Great resource that I recommend, Juggernaut Training System, Scientific Principles of Strength Training, Dr. Mike Gisbertel at Renaissance Periodization. They put a lot of resources out there as far as the importance of specificity, progressive overload. But then I know Dr. Mike Gisbertel, he also talks about this, and I would agree with him, uh, the importance of understanding SRA curves. So SRA, it just stands for Stimulus Recovery Adaptation. Uh, the way a muscle grows is during the recovery portion, i.e. when you're not training it. But interestingly with biceps, uh, with the SRA curve, so essentially when you work out a muscle, that's the stimulus. If you have your x-axis, you have your y-axis. When you work the muscle, you're gonna go a little bit below baseline fitness. So you're gonna be temporarily weaker. You're gonna need to recover, that's the recovery curve. Over time, you get back to baseline, and then you go a little bit above it. That's where the adaptation takes place. So with quadriceps, other bigger muscle groups, the wavelength may look like this, where if x-axis is time, it's gonna take longer to re recover. With biceps, you can train them more frequently generally. This is mainly due to it being a smaller muscle group. Uh, they're poorly mechanically leveraged. Um, they don't produce a ton of force. Also, there's other muscles being worked as well. Uh, so you can train them quite often. I generally recommend for most people, if bicep growth is a priority, uh, generally four times is, seems to be a decent sweet spot for most people that I've worked with. Uh, you'll probably want to train them a minimal of two times per week, probably even three, and potentially up to every day. So one of the things that the bros like to do is they like to do arm day every day. And with a lot of things when it comes to muscle building, they're right, including this. Uh, if you do train them every day, you're probably going to want to do less volume per day. Um, generally set-wise on a week-by-week -week basis, if you do a lot of horizontal and vertical pulling, you will get some bicep uh, stimulus, but I find that that's not gonna be a very adequate way to uh, stimulate the biceps if you really want them to grow. So I know there's a lot of strength coaches out there that'll say, as long as you're doing enough back volume, you can get huge arms. And I would actually disagree. Uh, again, we talked about earlier with the biceps, it flexes the shoulder, it also flexes the elbow and supinates. You're not gonna hit those motions as uh, well if you're doing a ton of back volume. Something that I also have noticed over the years of training is because I've become a lot more efficient at training my back, meaning I built a lot of muscle in my back, built a lot of strength, I'm, it's very easy for me to get a neural connection between my brain and my back, that when I train my back, I am uh, fatiguing the biceps a little bit, but I'm stimulating the back a lot more. So when someone first starts doing chin-ups, they first start doing rows, they're probably gonna feel on their bicep, but over time, they're gonna become efficient in terms of actively providing tension to the lat that the disruptive forces in the biceps are almost non-existent. Uh, so for example, this past training cycle, I went up to 100 sets of back just for the heck of it. I wouldn't recommend that, but I just wanted to see what my maximal recoverable volume was. And interestingly, the last training session I did over 60 sets on pull-ups, I had no bicep fatigue the next day. And the reason is I've just become much more efficient at targeting my lats through that motion uh, to the point where my biceps pretty much are barely working. So as far as bicep volume goes, I typically will recommend for most people somewhere between 12 and 20 sets uh, the more someone's trained, the more advanced they've become, that window might get a little bit smaller, 
and it might be a little bit on the higher side. So for someone that's very, very advanced, most likely 18 sets at the beginning of a mesocycle might be necessary, uh, and then maybe close to 24 by the end. Some people may be able to handle up to 30 sets. Some of this is gonna to have to do, again, with the back volume they're doing, uh, the type of uh, prior adaptations that they've made in training their biceps. A newbie can probably get away with six to maybe 12 sets, working from six sets a week to 12 sets by the end, but this is gonna be very, very dependent. Another thing that's important with the biceps that I recommend is training them early in a training session if you wanna emphasize them. So oftentimes you'll see people go to the gym and they'll do biceps last. Uh, if you do a muscle group last, the stimulus is not gonna be as good as there's gonna be prior fatigue going in, so you're not going to be able to provide as many uh, uh, disruptive forces. If you do it when you're fresh, you could typically do a higher quality of volume, more load, more reps, and you're gonna get greater growth that way. Now this isn't to say that you can't do biceps at the end of the workout and not grow, it may not be the best move. If the goal of the mesocycle is to not emphasize the biceps, maybe you're trying to emphasize the lats, then I'd probably recommend uh, doing biceps at the end or doing less, that way you're not uh, carrying fatigue over into that training. So one of the most important things that I do when I talk with athletes and clients of mine is we try to identify the quality focus of the cycle, and then from there, we work the structure around that quality focus. Of course, you're listening because you want to build huge arms, and because of that, you're probably going to want to emphasize them earlier in a training cycle. Now, as far as variations go, the variation that I've seen the most growth from is uh, simple, easy bar curls. I really like the narrow grip. I find it's pretty easy in my elbows, it's pretty easy in my shoulders, it's easy to get nice shoulder flexion and keep the reps very, very consistent. With dumbbells, for some reason, I've never seen great gains from them. Maybe it's just because I haven't spent enough time with them. It could also be potentially because the technique is a little bit less standardized. It's hard to tell maybe how much supination you should get, how much shoulder flexion, with the easy bar, it's just very, very intuitive. It's very, very simple for me. Another thing is if you do the dumbbell curl, I said supination, generally you wanna initiate the supination about 25 to 35 or so percent of the way up. That way you get uh, the benefit of the supination. If you just supinate at the bottom, you're not really working against gravity. Because you're not working against gravity, you're gonna get less of a stimulus. So anyways, going back, favorite bicep exercise, easy bar curls. I really, really, really like dumbbell chest-supported incline curls. Uh, the reason I like these is because you work well with gravity. If we look at the force curve, there's gonna be a lot of, uh, the peak force will most likely, I haven't seen this in the literature, but I would hypothesize to be greater with these and more consistent. Uh, Typically, when you're doing a curl at the bottom, very little gravity. If we look at the forearm, we look at the elbow. At the bottom, there's no force that has to be transmitted from the bicep to stabilize. You actually don't really start to generate force until you're on your way up. And at the top, of course, there's very, very little force. When you're doing a dumbbell chest-supported incline curl, uh, looking at the force curve, you're going to be working against gravity for much more of the range of motion and you'll probably get a better stimulus. And I've had a lot of success with athletes that I've worked uh, with doing that variation. So looking back on previous training uh, cycles, uh, personally, I seem to make the best gains when I'm training my biceps four times per week. I'm relatively advanced, 
So starting at around that 18 set range, going up to around that 24 to 26 set range. Uh, last time I was really trying to emphasize the biceps, I was able to go from 19 inches to 21 inches. It's important to note it, no, that's with a pump. It's important to note though as well that I was in a caloric surplus. So some of that gain was most likely, definitely adipose tissue. Uh, if you want to grow the biceps, you're going to have to be in a caloric surplus unless you're a noob or maybe obese. Uh, and I should, probably should have talked that, about that earlier in the, uh, the show, but if you want to build muscle, calorie surplus is pretty much a necessity. Uh, you're going to have to gain weight. Now, you can become more efficient with movements. You can become stronger while in a deficit, and sometimes leverages may improve as you lose weight, which uh, can also enhance strength. But if you want to really gain size, you're going to most likely have to gain weight. Which, if you don't want to do that, then maybe bicep growth is not the emphasis for the training cycle. Again, you're watching because you want to grow your biceps. You're probably not afraid of gaining a little bit of weight. Uh, but again, easy bar curls, favorite bicep exercise. I love dumbbell, inclined chest supported curls. Uh, because you're going to generate a lot of local fatigue in the elbows, in the shoulders, I know a lot of people complain to that. It's very, very important that you regulate intensity accordingly. So I would theorize that a lot of people undergo lots of strain in those areas because they're forcing reps, they're doing reps with loads that they really can't control, uh, they're turning into like a hip thrust curl. Uh, curls in general, bicep training is one of the most abused areas that you'll see in the gym. You walk into any Globo gym, you'll see people doing horrible half reps, tons of shaking, going 10 reps past failure. These are most likely the reasons why people get hurt. It's because they're exceeding tissue capacity. So I generally recommend making sure that you regulate intensity accordingly. As we talked about earlier, the biceps do recover rather quickly. So training them closer to failure may make more sense than uh, maybe other muscle groups and other movements. For a squat, for example, I, I very rarely uh, train till one or two reps in the tank. Generally, I'll leave maybe three to four. With biceps, you could probably get away with one. Just make sure that you're not forcing reps, that you're not going past technical failure. Uh, so a spe couple of special notes with the biceps. The biceps seem to do pretty well with metabolite buildup training. One of my favorite ways to do this is blood flow restriction. It's important to note that blood flow restriction comes at a cost. The fatigue generates can be rather high, and sometimes the when the fatigue generates really, really high, that's going to kind of cut into the benefit that you're going to get from the stimulus. You may end up losing out on frequency and volume, and then growth may be equated for it. Uh, but anyhow... Uh, blood flow restriction, it's when you take some type of tie band and you wrap around your deltoid tuberosity. The liter literature shows wrapping it somewhere between a 3 and a 7 out of 10 seems to be uh, sufficient. Uh, the mechanism of growth seems to most likely be you're, you're uh, restricting oxygen to the muscles, so you're working potentially your uh, anaerobic fibers, the ones I purchased for you grow more, a little bit more. Uh, there's a lot of research that shows that uh, lactate accumulates in this state, and that may increase intramuscular growth hormone acutely. Now, to the extent that that's going to cause growth over a duration of time, I'm not sure. Uh, there's a lot of literature that shows that heat shock proteins, NOS1, are also going to be enhanced during BFR training, which are potential metabolite markers of growth. Um, so there is some uh, physiological potential there. 
As far as when BFR training is compared to normal training, volume's equated for, there doesn't really seem to be much of a difference. So I recommend that type of training when you maybe psychologically have burned out from more traditional. You want to get a sweet pump, change it up a little bit, have fun for a mesocycle. BFR training could be a benefit. If you're going to do BFR training, again, we're trying to build up metabolites, uh, you're going to want higher reps and lighter loads. So generally 30 to 50% of your one rep doing sets of 15 to 30 reps with very, very, very little rest. Uh, that seems to be the best way. And as you can see, with the load being very, very light, this could be a great way to train the biceps during a time of rehab coming back from an injury. Uh, other metabolite buildup techniques that I personally enjoy, I like rest-pause uh, work. So maybe you do 10 reps, you're two reps away from failure, you wait another 10 to 15 seconds and you bust out some more reps. Uh, with most muscle groups, you're gonna wanna rest longer in between sets. It takes a little bit more time to get back to 90% of your strength or so. With the biceps, they tend to recover between sets rather quickly. Uh, so that's another reason why you could probably get a lot of volume in, in a short amount of time. Uh, other things that I know people like to do, supersets, drop sets. Drop sets are very, very common. Uh, again, you're gonna get a similar uh, physiological response to these type of trainings as you would to the BFR. I think the best way to increase bicep size, what I've had the most success with, is not chasing the pump and instead aiming to increase mechanical tension over time. So more so kind of graphing out my mesocycle, starting at a minimal effective dose of training, over time building up, looking to increase load and or reps uh, over the course of that cycle. Um, the more advanced you become, the more difficult it is to increase both of those qualities. Uh, one of my issues with metabolite training is it's just tough for the track and it's tough for to get decent data. Um, oftentimes for that type of training too, I find uh, people, they become less logical, more emotional, and that sometimes can kind of throw off the stimulus to fatigue ratio. If you're just trying to chase the pump, it's gonna be difficult to tell how long you're resting between sets, uh, tracking the number of reps, sometimes people don't even count, and which is fine, you don't have to count reps, you don't have to count sets, you don't have to count anything to grow, but it just makes it a lot easier because you can kind of map out uh, how you're going from point A to point B. But metabolite training, best when coming back from an injury. If you wanna get some type of novel stimulus, it can be a benefit in that too. I wouldn't have it be the bulkier training, but maybe one to two months out of the course of a year, that could be a benefit to your arm training. So again, in review, specificity, not doing random stuff, increasing weight rep sets over time, over the course of a four to maybe six week cycle, uh, understanding your volume landmarks and living between those landmarks, training arms early in a session, using frequency due to the beneficial SRA curve, to uh, get more quality volume in. Uh, these are all kind of the keys to success if you wanna grow your arms. And of course, make sure you're in a caloric surplus. Make sure you're willing to gain weight. Otherwise, you're gonna miss out and it won't be as effective. Uh, if you're in a caloric deficit though and you wanna maintain arm size, utilizing these principles uh, can definitely make that a lot easier. If you want more tips on the subject matter, uh, yeah, in Renaissance Periodization, Dr. Mike Isertel, he's a great reference. 
Scientific Principles of Strength Training. It's more of a powerlifting book, but it still kind of talks about this type of stuff. Uh, I recommend that as well. Um, I'm excited as far as the literature goes because I think when it comes to volume, when it comes to understanding actually how to grow the arms, there's a lot of missing information there. And I think over the course of the next 10 to 20, even 30 years, we're going to know a lot more. But this is the best that we have right now. Utilize these principles, grow some big arms.